Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Uh, this is our Torah portion number five, and it's on the actually on the life of Sarah, but it all uh, gets laid out uh, at the death of Sarah. But there's some good news in all of this, and we're going to touch on a little bit of it today. Uh, the great sages differ on what are called the ten tests of faith that Abraham went through during his lifetime. You can go into the Umash and there's a couple different lists. You can go online to a website like Chabad or Aish and you'll see some different lists. Uh, But uh, in ancient Jewish wisdom, it teaches that Abraham... Our father was tested with ten tests, and he passed them all. Which shows how great was Abraham, our father's love for God. Yeah? And so you think about uh, what is being said there. What, What does passing the tests have to do with love more than faith? Yeah, and it's because the love that we have for God causes us to endure whatever we have to endure. We're going through. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And in the midst of going to the other side is when uh, the winds and the storms and the waves arose. Uh, But that was the promise. We're going to the other side. And that's the word of God for you and I today. We love God so much that we have confidence that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never let us down. We will not be forsaken and we will get to the other side. Abraham passed those ten major tests of faith. And uh, the uh, the one thing that they do agree on is that the tenth and final test, uh, which was the uh, the binding of Isaac, was the greatest test of all. Sacrificing uh, his son of the promise, uh, and uh, uh, and so uh, one of the things that God is showing us in all of this is that throughout Abraham's life, he was challenged. Again and again. And so for you and I as believers to think that we're going to go through life without facing any challenges is ludicrous. We're going to face some Goliaths. God never said you wouldn't face a Goliath. He did say, I'll give you five smooth stones (laughs) and you're going to take Goliath out. You will be a giant slayer. Amen. Amen. Uh, And that's that love that we have. We love God so much that we have a confidence in Him. That whatever comes against us, greater is He that's in us than He that is in the world. And so no matter how difficult things became for Abraham, he, along with Sarah, overcame them. 
Hallelujah. He had that love, that faith, that determination to fulfill the will of God. And uh, he is our example. Amen. He's the father of our faith. We are the seed of Abraham, Galatians says. The blessing of Abraham comes upon us, and that's a spiritual blessing. Some of what we're talking about right now is in you. It might be in seed form, but it's in you. It's a physical blessing. It's a financial blessing that we're going to overcome and uh, experience uh, uh, better and better things as time goes on. Doesn't mean there's not going to be a challenge. But it just means that in the day of adversity, you have something within you that can cause you to rise up and defeat any temptation, any challenge, any obstacle, and any test. And this happens for our whole life, right? There's no exemption card. Right? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But that rain can either water that seed and bring a harvest, or if you let it, it can turn into a rain that washes the seed away. How many of you feel like God is watering you and uh, bringing a great harvest into your life? So, Abraham's ten tests of faith reveal a concept that life is much more a journey than it is a destination. Yes, we're going to make heaven our home one day. But there's a whole journey along the way that we're meant to enter into, a process of transformation that we're meant to enter into that causes us to be overcomers, that causes us to rise above the challenges of life. God wants us to go through life focused on the process of growing and maturing and being an influence and learning to be an overcomer comer that's the purpose of life that so that people can see god is working in you amen religion is not a crutch for you <laughs> religion faith in jesus christ faith in god trust in the bible is the pathway to a better life and that all is a journey you just don't grow overnight Have you ever planted seeds in a garden? They don't grow overnight. It takes some cultivation. It takes some tending to. And uh, in Abraham's life, it says in Genesis 25, 7, this is how long Abraham lived. 175 years. That's a good life. Then Abraham breathed his last Dying at a ripe old age. That's a compliment. An old man full of years. Abraham was an old man full of years. The Amplified expands on that. And it says, Abraham was an old man who was satisfied with his life. Full of years. Yeah. And so that's quite a statement, right? It shows us that through his life, 175 years of life, 
Things kept getting better and better. What about all these tests of faith? Yeah, they came and they went. Amen. God showed himself faithful to bring Abraham through, and he'll show himself faithful in your life. Has anybody experienced the faithfulness of God? Have you been in a tight squeeze once or twice, and all of a sudden, a miracle of God happened, and all of a sudden, you got to the other side? Thanks be to God. Abraham's years were full. That's a message to you and I that we need to spend our life on this journey trying to uh, embrace all that God has for us and experience a fullness of life. Amen. We're not just hanging on till Jesus comes. Abraham had a good journey. Right? When we do the uh, uh, the funeral service for May on Wednesday, I really felt that God um, impressed on me uh, to share the poem called "The Dash." I don't know if you've ever uh, uh, heard that poem, "The Dash," but it speaks about that little line between the year of your birth and the year of your death. It's the dash. And what we do with the dash is hugely important. Amen? And with God on our side, with the promises of God on our side, with Abraham's DNA, with the DNA of the Lord Himself, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you, we can make that dash count. And count in big, big ways. So Abraham, uh, in his dash, good journey. And may that be for you and I, amen, when it's all said and done. May we say we had a good journey, amen. Abraham and Sarah lived a full and amazing life. Uh, We don't think about this that often, but their story is one of the great love stories. They're the, the patriarch and matriarch of our faith. And it's one of the great love stories in the Bible. Can you imagine when God called them to leave everything that they knew, everything they were familiar with, get out of their comfort zone, get out of their leisure life in uh, Haran, and go to a destination unknown? Or as Josh Gates said, expedition unknown. And uh, it turns out, that uh, destination was Israel. And he settled the land and claimed that land. Uh, and uh, that promise, that covenant, still in effect today, 4,000 years later. Abraham and Sarah committed in Shechem. Remember we talked about Shechem. They made a, a, a lifelong commitment to the Lord in Shechem. And Abraham sealed that. Talk about a test of faith. Oh, 70-plus-year-old Abraham, I want you to be circumcised. (laughs) Hey, that's not what I bargained for. But he passed that test. They stood against the idolatry of their time. 
They fought and won battles with kings. They endured long years of childlessness until Isaac was born. They went through the dysfunction of Hagar and Ishmael. Boy, was that weird. And then we mentioned the binding of Isaac and and then Abraham experiencing the loss of Sarah. These are tests of faith, and we all have our own list. But the point of it all isn't to focus on the list and feel sorry for ourselves. (laughs) The point of it is to thanks be to God who has given me the victory through Jesus Christ. Uh, The smoke is cleared and I'm still standing. Amen. And through it all, they remained faithful and established a legacy of faith. You and I still benefit from that today. That's a legacy. Their story is our story. Amen. It's like when Paul was talking to Timothy, teaching him about his own life. Paul went through some trials and tests, the Apostle Paul. And in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I have fought the good fight. Come on, Christian, put your dukes up. (laughs) If the devil tries to knock you down, punch back. Start punching back in prayer with your profession of faith. Coming into agreement. Praising the Lord. Despite all the the, the, the uh, challenges. Fight the good fight. I have fought the good fight, Paul says. I have finished the race. You're in a race. It's not a hundred yard dash. It's one of those marathons. 24 point something kind of miles. What the heck? <laughs> but no matter how long it seems to take, we're going to finish the race with faithfulness with dedication, and he said, and now the prize awaits me. I'm sure Abraham and Sarah thought the same thing. We're going through all these trials and tribulations, but we're going to fight a good fight. We're going to finish the race God has given us, and we're going to remain faithful. And because of that, God is going to give, uh, not only give them, give you and I a crown of righteousness. That's what's awaiting us. This idea of being on a journey is revealed in Sarah's life. In Genesis 23, 1, the scripture says, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of Sarah's life. But the original Hebrew Bible says it this way. Sarah's lifetime was 100 years, 20 years, and 7 years, the years of Sarah's life. So there's, there's a secret there. It's showing you from 7 to 20 to 100, there's a process of time that's occurred. And Sarah has walked through that process and uh, fought a good fight. She has uh, run the race. She's finished her course. And she had a good life. Rashi, the great Jewish rabbi from the Middle Ages, says, The years of Sarah's lifetime all were equal for the good. 
God bless parents and grandparents who have raised up families in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, a lot of times we think the biggest testimony is the testimony of the drug addict. But really, somebody who has remained faithful for their whole life, from childhood through uh, uh, youth and uh, young adulthood into adulthood, and you've remained faithful to the Lord and lived a good life. as That is the bigger testimony. God bless moms and grandmas for helping make that happen. But Rashi says she was 100, she was 20, she was 7. And each one of these specific ages has something unique about it, he teaches. The 7-year-old has innocence. Sarah walked through her whole life and maintained a sense of innocence, which is purity. Hallelujah. The 20-year-old has strength. So Sarah went through her whole life not only with this innocence and purity, but she had a strength and a conviction to do what was right, even in the face of a lot of things in the culture that were wrong. And the hundred-year-old, Sarah, wisdom. Yeah, wisdom. She had the wisdom of God throughout her whole life. She had all of those qualities qualities embodied in her life her whole life and it led to a good life amen and through our journey may we maintain that innocence and that purity and uh, not get caught up into the immorality of the world may we have that strength that spiritual strength, that uh, internal strength to fight off the temptations and to overcome every uh, test that might lay in front of us. And may we have the wisdom of God to discern what's right and wrong, which way to go, which decisions to make. Hallelujah. Just like He gave Abraham and Sarah plenty of divine guidance and divine inspiration, divine wisdom. I'm here to tell you today, the Lord is working the very same thing in you and I. Amen? No matter what stage of life you're in, you can bet your bottom dollar that God wants you to succeed. He wants you to advance. He wants you to accomplish. Your life isn't over, even even if you're... uh, Well, I'm still kind of a young whippersnapper, right? I'm a young 68. But God's not done with any of us. And even if we haven't passed all the tests with flying colors... God loves us so much that He says, Get up, my son. Get up, my daughter. I'm going to empower you and help you to keep on keeping on. Your life isn't over. Amen. Philippians 1.6 says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it. And bring it to a flourishing finish (laughs) on the very day 
Christ Jesus appears from the Message Bible. Amen. No doubt in my mind either. And I pray there's no doubt in your mind that the good work God started in you when you said, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, forgive me of every sin, break every curse, connect me to every covenant promise, and help me live a life that's worthy of this calling. When we pray that, God instantly is working in us to empower us so that we will bring it to a flourishing finish. We're going out with a blaze of glory. And look, even when you hit retirement age, you're still on a journey. All right? You may not be going into the office every day anymore, but you're still on a journey. You still have a divine assignment. Abraham and Sarah set out towards Israel when they were 76 years old. Are you retired? I'm just getting started. (laughs) I'm in my prime, that's right. (laughs) That's why in ancient Hebrew there's no word for retire. There's no word for coincidence. There's no word for retire. How do you retire from God's divine assignment? Oh, I'm retired, God. No, you're not. I've called you as long as you've got breath in your lungs. I've called you to be on a mission. You're one of the Blues Brothers on a mission from God. Praise God. Life is a journey, amen? We can still have vision. We can still be creative. We can still be inspired. We can still use our influence on those uh, around us. One of the keys of this comes from Isaiah, who wrote in Isaiah 43, 18, Stop dwelling on past events. Stop brooding over times gone by. I am doing something new, saith the Lord. It's springing up. Can't you see it? I am making a road in the desert and rivers in the wasteland for you. It may feel like you're in the test of all tests, but God is saying something through the prophet. Don't dwell on that. Don't dwell on the problem. Dwell on the promise. That God is making a way. Well, there doesn't seem to be a way. God is the way maker. Amen. Amen. Abraham and Sarah had plenty of negatives to brood about. We all do. No one's immune from having challenges and tests in their life. But it is a choice. That's why they say uh, life is 90% Uh, or 10% of what happens to you, and 90% of how you respond. Why? Because stuff happens. But you have the power of the living God, and in any situation, you can respond in faith, you can respond uh, spiritually, and you can respond trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, leaning not to your own understanding. Abraham and Sarah stayed focused on their future instead of being focused on the failure. 
and they had their share. Hagar is kind of a failure, folks. <laughs> they were focused on their legacy. We're going to get into this in the next few minutes. Legacy instead of what they may have lost. No matter what you may have lost, there's still time for you to add to your legacy. How will you be remembered? What will the Lord say to you when you finally reach heaven? That you ran a good race? That you fought a good fight? That you finished the course? That's what we're aiming for. So be strong. Have vision. Rise up. Because God is with you. Amen? This leads us into a second thing that we learn from Abraham and Sarah is that the journey's not always easy. I beg your pardon. I never promised you. Well, there, that's, you know, there's, you know, okay, half truth. You know, God never said there wasn't going to be uh, challenges. That's why James writes in James chapter 1, Verse 2, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I think we can all grow into that mindset and mentality. He didn't say troubles will never come your way. But he said when troubles of any kind do arise, consider it an opportunity to praise the Lord. Not because of the trouble, but because God is going to show himself strong in your life during that trouble. And you're going to come out on the other side more than a conqueror. James goes on to say, you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. God's looking for endurance in all of us. He's not looking for quitters. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. That's still true. It's still true when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's true. And it's true that we have a chance to grow. We're tested. Our metal, our spiritual qualities are being tested. And God says during that test, rise up. This is your chance to grow and mature. So let it grow, he says. For when your endurance, patience, is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's what we're aiming for, folks. And if we've tried and failed, try again. How many times? Well, let's say seven times 70. (laughs) Which means an unlimited chance you and I get to take advantage of opportunities to grow and develop and mature. And when we mature to a certain point, God says we're perfect. We're complete. We need nothing now. Good job. Abraham and Sarah reached that point. Think of this challenge that Abraham and Sarah had. They had a long delay in seeing the promises of God manifest. It's like R.W. Schambach said, God doesn't always pay on Friday, but he always pays on time. 
But that's where we sometimes we get discouraged because at the end of the week, the miracle didn't happen. Your patience is being tested. Your endurance is being tested. Don't throw in the towel and, and call everybody and have a pity party. This is when we realize, look, life is sometimes delayed gratification. There's promises that are delayed but are not denied. God's delay doesn't mean God's denial. God promised them two main things. Promised them children, you'll be the father of many nations. And promised them Israel, the promised land. He repeats these promises over a dozen times in their lifetime. However, by by the time Sarah goes home, To be with the Lord at 127, they don't possess one inch of land. Okay. They they have only one child of the covenant, Isaac, and he's currently unmarried with no prospects. (laughs) Dozens of years have passed. And neither promise God gave has really manifested. That ain't easy. Because you're thinking, I'm, I'm hearing the preacher say all these things, I'm quoting all the promises of God, and, and, and all of a sudden, I'm not seeing mine. Where'd mine? And all of a sudden, you get into the wrong spirit. And it's going to extend until you manufacture some patience and manufacture some endurance and realize this is my test of faith. Abraham had his test of faith. Why would you be immune? Jesus had his test of faith. Why would you be immune? The question is not whether uh, we have challenges or not. It's we're going to have. How are you going to go through it? That's why you can't neglect coming to church. And not just any church. You better go to a, and there's more than just new beginnings, but God brought you here. You better take away a spirit of faith. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. If you come and sit through all these things and never generate any kind of resurrection power in your life, what the heck are we doing here? Give me some vision out of this, Lord. I want to walk away with some hope. I want to walk away with some purpose, a divine destiny. I want to walk away knowing I'm stronger. Well, when's God going to do that for me? (laughs) Well, he he really needs you to pitch in and help. (laughs) Wipe that frown off your face. Put a smile on your face. Right now, put a smile on your face because no matter what test or trial you're going, count it all joy, brother and sister, because you've got now an opportunity to grow and mature and be thoroughly complete, perfect for every good work God will call you to in the future. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not so unfair as to forget your work. Anybody been working hard for the Lord? You've been doing that Donna Summer thing, working hard for my money. 
Working hard for the Lord. God doesn't forget that. He keeps good books. But he, he doesn't, uh, the payoff doesn't come when I'm frowning, moaning, groaning, and complaining. That's not the, the pathway to the payoff. Yeah. God is not so unfair as to forget your work and the love you showed him in your past service to his people. It's not easy to volunteer, but you need to volunteer. Coming to church just isn't just so that you can be... We got it all wrong. We think, we call it, I, I, I went to a church service. No, you didn't. You went to a church receivist. <laughs> and that's what Christianity has basically become in many ways. No one here resembles that remark. We just want to come for what we can get out of it. And we should get some things out of it. But what are you putting into it? Yeah? What are you putting in? That's called church service. When you're serving in Kid City, when you're serving at Ignite or serving in an event or serving by coming to intercessory prayer, when, when you're participating in church community, uh, you know, it's, and it's not easy, but it's what we do. And God says, I won't forget. However, we want each one of you to keep showing the same diligence right up to the end. I'm retired. No, you're not. (laughs) You're going to, according to the Bible, need to keep working for the Lord right up till the end. Be diligent about that. Be faithful about that. And then your hopes will be realized. And the reason God says that in verse 12, so that you don't become sluggish. God doesn't want us to be spiritually sluggish. But He wants us to be imitators of those who by their trust and patience are receiving what has been promised. Amen. Come on, somebody. Think about that. Abraham's tested. It's an unnerving moment. God says to him, take your only son and offer him as a sacrifice. That ain't easy. And it was only at the last possible moment, there's only one second left on the clock. And God came through and said, stop. How do you survive something like that? How do you go through that kind of near-death experience and not have it affect you? In the natural, it'll make you wacky. It'll probably, I'm putting my life on pause. God doesn't want you to put your life on pause. At this pivotal moment, Isaac is sacrificed And then in the next verses, he finds out that while he's there, Sarah has gone home to be with the Lord. So, I mean, he gets hit back to back with two tests and trials that are like at the pinnacle of tests and trials. But it's meant to encourage us what he does next. Listen to what Abraham does next. 
This man's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And in Genesis 23, you can turn over there, verse 2, the Torah says, Abraham came to mourn Sarah and weep for her. And then the next verse, the next words, then he got up. Then he got up. He followed all of these tests and trials by getting up and carrying on. God gave him a mission. He knew Sarah was in good hands. She was walking streets of gold. Get up, Abraham. Get up, beloved child of God. Your your life is not over. Things are not finished. And he engaged in a flurry of activity following all of this with two goals in mind. Number one, I'm going back to uh, uh, this goal of purchasing the land of Israel. And he buys the cave of Machpelah, the first real estate transaction in the Bible down in Hebron. He buys a plot of land, and there's no record he ever sold it. So that's 4,000 years ago. I don't think that there were any um, uh, Arafat types at that time who said, We were here first! (laughs) No, you weren't there 4,001 years ago, sorry. Second, he sends Eleazar to find a, a, a wife for his son Isaac. Wasn't easy, but he rose to the challenge. Look, I still got work to do. I got to finish my course. I got to run this race. I got to stay faithful. And so, by focusing on the future and being determined to accomplish his divine assignment, Abraham was able to get up and keep pushing. Man, you just got to keep pushing. Keep pushing. He renewed some commitments. So that uh, he was on a track to see the vision God had given him come to pass. And that's not always easy. But we do need to cowboy up at times. And we can't let disappointment and sorrow overtake us. And that becomes the chief quality of our life that people recognize. The sadness, the sorrow, that being down in spirit, that heaviness in spirit. That's not God working in you. I can assure you that is the enemy heaping heaps of negativity on you to keep you from finishing strong. You need to bind and rebuke that thing in the name and by the blood of Jesus. We bind and rebuke sorrow and grief and pain and suffering. And we release fresh vision. We release the fresh power of Almighty God to motivate and inspire us to keep on keeping on. Amen. Amen. Well, you don't know. That's... You're asking the wrong questions. You're saying the wrong things. And that leads me to my final takeaway. Another lesson is, and it's really the reason that Abraham found the intestinal fortitude to carry on. Yeah, he had the vision. He had the faith. He had the love. uh, But what he also had 
was this concept that I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it for my children. I'm doing it for my grandchildren. And in reality, for Abraham, he's doing it for all mankind. Yeah? And, and so this is the lesson that part of our journey is to leave a legacy for our children and grandchildren. Don't let the devil put you in such a tiny box that all you can see is your little world of problems. You got children and grandchildren, loved ones, and they might not even know what you've done in prayer, what you've done in benevolence, what you've done behind the scenes to pave the way that they would have a spiritual heritage and legacy in their own life. But Abraham knew God was, was, what God was doing in him was not just for him. And the, the church is kind of, we kind of just get into the whole thing, what's in it for me? It's, that's okay. There is something in it for you. And something that's in it for you is you have an opportunity to finish strong and leave a legacy for those that are going to come after you. We need to imitate that. Think about it. In the natural, this father of many nations, he has just one son and he's unmarried with no prospects. <laughs> he's the father of the Jewish nation and all he has is a tiny bit of Israel that he paid for full price. It's the only time in history that uh, a Jewish brother has paid full price. <laughs> That's a joke, don't... He went ye on me. But by faith, Abraham could see beyond his own lifetime. Oh, God, help me to see beyond my own lifetime. Pastor Tiz talked about that when she was battling uh, her battle. And she got that vision of everything in her life with her family happening without her in the picture. Man, how do you overcome that? With the Word? With family? With friends that have faith? That see some things beyond what is going on in the natural? Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. Man, I want to see beyond my own lifetime. I got a little two-year-old grandson right there. If Jesus tarries and I go home to be with the Lord at 120 years old, (laughs) how old will that make you, (laughs) Zakai? He's going to carry on. And... His children will care. Will Scott Sigmund have done anything to have impacted a life of uh, and a lifetime that I won't be around to see? Wow, I'm motivated. <laughs> I'm inspired. Get busy, Scott. Get busy living or get busy. You know, and, and did you ever? 
realize that some of the promises that God made to you weren't meant to manifest in your lifetime? He's just looking for someone to carry the baton in that second or third leg of the race. And then you're going to pass that baton on to your daughter or your grandson, and they're going to carry on that legacy of faith, that legacy of, uh, of, of love, that legacy of building the kingdom of God. We have to have vision. This is the lesson not just for us, but for the future, for our future family, even if it's a future we're not going to be in. This is why Proverbs says, Proverbs 13.22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's just not talking about money. It's talking about a lifestyle of godliness, of commitment to the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I've tried it the other way. I can tell you the other way don't work. 17 years of experience, it don't work. (laughs) It's not only about leaving money, but we're talking about a spiritual legacy. Abraham did that. Leaving a legacy for the next generations. And if we're going to accomplish that, we need the vision of God, don't we? May we all be motivated and inspired to pass on righteous and moral and biblical heritage to our children, our grandchildren, to our church, within our church. Look, we, we were children's pastors in the Portland church, uh, and even before that in a, a, our first church in Seattle. Uh, and, you know, 30 years later, we still hear reports of the ministry work we did with little six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds that is still producing righteous fruit 30 years later. I don't even know. I, I can't hardly... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, because of the social media, you get... Re- I, yeah, I'm trying to remember who they are. And then they're, they're telling us, if it wasn't for you. Someone once said... Our children are messengers we send to a time we will not see. And when I read that over the weekend, I was floored. I was just floored. That just impacted me the rest of the day. Our children are messengers we send to a time we will not see. When we live with that kind of mindset, it's easy to be motivated. It's easy to be inspired. And God will help us in so many different ways to make all of that heritage pass down uh, through the family. Um, Ancient Jewish wisdom says, The righteous, even in death, are regarded as though they were still alive. The righteous, even in death, are regarded as though they are still alive. Because the righteous leave a living trace in those who come after them. Amen? We're uh, leaving a living trace. 
of God's goodness, God's love, God's righteousness, God's holiness, God's standards, God's morality to those that are coming after us. That makes life worth living, folks. Amen? So as we close today, uh, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Make it count. Be a blessing. Send some texts to people in the family that maybe uh, you don't talk too much and tell them happy Thanksgiving. I love you and Jesus loves you. Amen? Do you receive that today? Give the Lord a hand clap.